Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Good morning indeed. As we all know that uh, the month of July is Mental Illness Awareness and we have spoken about mental illness in general as well as in adults over the past few weeks. And today we want to touch on mental illnesses within children, uh, speaking about the symptoms, the treatment and support and the coping mechanism with clinical psychologist Dr. Mark Delaray. Um, Mark, good morning to you and a warm welcome. Morning, Asha. How are you today? Fine, thanks. And lovely to be chatting to you once again because whenever we chat, you leave us with a wealth of information. And I think you know what? It's so enriching. Thank you so much for that, Mark. When we speak about uh, mental disorders in children, is this something that is common? Yes, it's actually more common than what, what we would think. You know, I suppose the most obvious thing we always think about would be sort of the anxiety and depression uh, part of mental mental, mental health. Mm. But with children, you know, you're also looking at the other conditions. You're talking about your ADHD, your ADD. Then there are also other learning difficulties, dyslexia, apraxia, dyspraxia, all of, quite a few things. And then also, unfortunately, things like anorexia and bulimia also things creeping in at fairly early ages already. Okay. And when you speak about bulimia um, and uh, speak about early ages, so at what age would you think, and is it more common in girls than boys? Um, that that has been the last part of your question first, I suppose. It, it has be- started becoming a little bit more prevalent in, in boys. They do see mm-hmm. in, in research in the UK that, that a lot of boys are actually presenting with, with uh, anorexia and bulimia as well. Um, in South Africa, it's still a little bit more uh, towards the girls, I guess, if we look at who are presenting with it. Yes. Um, it's very difficult to say, you know, an exact age, but, but we would sort of start looking at it anywhere from about 11 or 12 already at the very early uh, ages of it. And they would become more prominent sort of, sort of towards your 14, 15 year, years of age. But, but yes, it can start as early as 11 or 12 where you can be pre- uh, present. Okay. You've mentioned ADHD and ADD. Does autism um, spectrum also fall under mental illness? Yes, uh, autistic spectrum disorders. And uh, previously we, we did make fairly strong distinctions between Asperger's and, and autism, which is still there, but, but they're also looking much more now at what, what they call autistic spectrum disorders because people will fall on that spectrum with certain of the of the sort of features of that rather than the full-blown condition but we are seeing that quite a bit as well um, in, in younger kids okay do you think parents are um, clued up enough to know when to seek help um, you know when when they see certain signs or symptoms I think parents with the first child might not know, but when you have other children, does it become easier to identify that the child is not meeting its milestones like the other children would have, or you know something is amiss because the child is a bit less communicative, or you know, tell us about these symptoms. Well, look, I, I think it, it does become a little bit easier once you've had your first child and had the experience of going through everything with them, um, and, and I think what we're looking at there usually for signs and symptoms, um, you know, amongst kids. Actually, I want to say in the last year or so with COVID and the lockdown, it's become much more difficult because, you know, kids are sort of isolated where before the child who was outside and often playing, whatever, is now isolated anyway. So that yes. becomes difficult. But what we often start seeing with, with our children from early ages already are, you know, increased irritability, sometimes even outbursts of anger and, 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 and you know, sort of throwing things around. Um, 
And then obviously even in what they're saying, you know, if you, if you do have a conversation with your kids, some of the stuff that they're talking about might seem quite, quite different or quite dark to you. Uh, and that would be sort of the, some of the signs and symptoms we'd be looking at with, with kids now. Okay. I was speaking about isolating yourself from groups of, or, you know, even from your family and um, being a little more withdrawn than, than normal. Should you as a parent be worried as well? I think that that is it's a difficult one because you know also as, again like I say because of the, the lockdown and everything kids yes. have been naturally isolating them more on their devices and, and so on so that that's a little bit difficult but if we if we exclude that then you know uh, it's sort of also natural sometimes for especially kids going into adolescence to sort of separate a little bit from the family and want their own space so that would be normal but when you start seeing prolonged periods of time you know several days or a week or two where you're actually not even, you know, hardly seeing your child, then the person should start being worried about what's going on. And, so is early and, detection within our children and, um, you know, very important and to seek help very early? I think it is. Look, the earlier we can intervene in something. Also, you know, we must be careful not to intervene in everything because they are natural developmental cycles. But okay. the earlier we can intervene in, in, in something that has been diagnosed, the problem, you know, the better the prognosis will be for that for that individual. So, does mental illness run in, in families? Is it is it um, you know genetics? Um, y- yes, yes, and no. And I no. suppose. There's often a, a heritability with certain conditions. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, for example, let's say your father or mother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, for example. It doesn't mean you will, you will automatically get that, but your chances as a child of that parent would be greatly increased over other, other um, individuals to maybe develop anxiety or depression and maybe not exactly the same one. Um, very often things like ADD and ADHD, they do run quite strongly in family life. Okay. So just a question, um, Mark, and I think sometimes it's very important to know as a parent that when your child has a disability, um, we often want to, you know, force them to do things that they cannot do. Is it important rather than to concentrate on the things that they can do to make them feel like they are achieving something instead of always make them see like they seem like they're failures? Absolutely, that, that is so important what you're saying there. I mean, that, that goes back to our schooling system at the moment where certain children are just um, differently abled, we can say, you know, yes. different different aptitudes that they have. And I think that's important for us as parents also to recognize that our children may not be capable of certain things that, that we want them to be. Or you will have one child who's a high academic achiever and another child who is, is much better at, at figuring things out and doing things with their hands. And yes. I think we need to you know, absolutely support them in whatever their strengths are. Okay. So, Mark, obviously, when the parent comes, you know, for an assessment with a child, already they've detected, you know, something is amiss with them, something, you know, is not adding up. Mm-hmm. How long, um, with, with regards to the very first, um, you know, appointment with a psychologist, um, will diagnosis be um, uh, done on the first visit? Or how many visits would you think, you know, should you need as a psychologist to, you know, to go through to speak maybe to the child alone, to the parent and the child, and, and you know, to get things, um, you know, sorted for them to make a positive diagnosis? Mm. Look, that, that would vary depending, depending on what the condition is. Okay. Um, pretty, pretty soon, you know, somebody has anxiety and depression, that, that you pretty much in the first one session, you know, you, you'll see those signs, like you need one or two sessions in talking to the parents because their collateral information is very important. Mm-hmm. And you can talk directly to a child, but getting information from the parents, that collateral information is very important. 
then when you move to things like ADHD, ADD, you know, other learning disabilities, um, even some of the bulimia, those kinds of things, it becomes more complicated and there needs to be a lot more input. Usually there would be the help of a psychiatrist there or a psychiatrist would see those children as well. Um, and the diagnosis could take several sessions because it's, it's more complicated than just deciding the child's too busy or, or just a little bit distracted. Too often there's a stigma attached to people with mental illnesses. Do you think that, um, you know, that plays a major role in people not wanting to actually access the help that is available to them? I think there is a, there is a proportion of that that we still see. But I think the other thing also, which, which I think is quite important for us uh, to recognize, is that uh, people are not informed. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, you know, I think that that is a big thing. I've seen it many times with parents when I've done, uh, you know, assessments or done sessions, family sessions with them and their children. When they're informed and actually understand fully what's going on, there's a huge shift for them. And they're able to, to assist their child and to understand what's going on for them much better. And then that sort of stigma part, as it seems, goes away. I think very often it's more about not understanding, and I think also that probably with our broader society, it's more about not really understanding what's going on rather than purely the stigma, which is still there. Okay. So with regards to anxiety and depression, and I think you've mentioned earlier on in the first one or two um, sessions, you you can actually um, pick that up as well. But when we speak about treatment for children with mental illnesses, is that ongoing into adulthood? Will there be some stage where we can say that, you know, ADHD or ADD is something that can be remedied and the child can live a normal life? Yes, look, look, with with most of these conditions, you you can live a perfectly normal life especially if you catch it early and, and you, you, you train you know, the, the, the children and the parents with these conditions. Things like ADD, very often um, when people go into adulthood, there are some people who have adult ADHD and may still need medication. Some people, however, are even able to go off those medications and manage their, you know, their attention and their, 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 their um, activity by themselves. So, so for, for several of these conditions, you can... You can I want to say, use the word cured. You can you can be cured of them. Others may be lifelong sort of you know, especially the genetic conditions that will carry on. And anorexia and and bulimia can be things that are can also be under control fully into adulthood. But are always things that need to be watched. So the question is, you know, many times people think that oh, I need to go see a psychiatrist or I need to go see a psychologist. So my child is going to see the psycholo- psychologist or the psychiatrist. Is my child going off its ro- his rockers or rockers? Um, you know, mm. Um, mm. how am I going to deal with things? And I think, you know, very selfishly, we always think about ourselves and not really about, you know, what this child might be experiencing, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that is so. You know, um, we all, as, as, as parents and as caregivers, we all under a lot of strain at the moment. Again, even just taking out the, 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 the COVID stuff now, yes. working most, most, most times, both parents are working. So we're under a lot of strain. So it does tend to become a bit personal, as you say. Yes. But it is important for us to recognize that, that our, our children are also struggling. And the more that we can support them, the more that they can see that, 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 that we are there to support them, not to fix things for them always, but to support them in getting help and the better for them. Okay. We know that, you know, a session with a psychologist, it's all about, you know, speaking about your feelings. Is this something that, you know, uh, the a fact that, you know, you, you can never sit down with your parent and, and speak your mind because they have too much on their mind that they, they need to get through um, the day as well. So, um, hence, we speak about psychologists and we... Um, 
what what do you expect your 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 client to feel after that client have um, you know offloaded with you his experience for the past month? Um, you know, um, tell us about that. So, so I think you know it's important also with, with us as parents maybe um, just to just to let our, our kids know that they are able to talk. So sometimes mm-hmm. just spending some time with them. I don't want to you know that's another discussion we can have there um, because kids are all, all way to, to overburden parents who are our responses. But then when, when kids come to therapy, very often it is that unburdening, talking about things that they feel they couldn't talk to their parents or even their peers about. And, and that's quite a big part of, of, of the therapeutic process where they sort of unburden themselves. But another important part with adolescents and kids is teaching them skills. Yes. You know, uh, with an adult, you talk about your events of the past and it unburdens you as a child. They are struggling on a daily basis with anxiety and, and, and those stresses. So often we actually need to teach them first how to manage their emotional situation before you even go and dig too deeply in all those other things. Um, and that helps them to manage on a daily basis. But yes. There's a basic unburdening and a basic sort of um, um, uh, um, emptying out of what's, what's, what's been sitting inside. So very often parents might not know, you know, what is the protocol, how to go about it. Um, and we find lots of our listeners, perhaps, you know, you've mentioned lockdown and what that has caused as well. So mm. the help, are there helplines for people who cannot, who's not on medical aid, who can't afford, you know, the, 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 um, the fee of a psychologist or psychiatrist? How do they go about it to seek help? Yes, look, um, again, in Cape Town, for example, we, yes. we have Cape Mental Health. Uh, I know they, they are also very hardworking, very busy, but they are people that you can access for either free or, or, or very, very cheap um, um, sessions because psychologists and, 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 and counsellors um, work there on a, on a sort of a pro bono or a reduced fee as well. Um, your other NGOs, mental health NGOs, um, are, are also places where you can go where there's either no fee or a very, very low fee. And then also phoning the helplines, there's no cost to that. So if you even phone the, you know, the Keso hotline, if you phone the SADAG hotline, um, the ADHD hotline, there's a lot of different ones you can phone. There's no cost in that except for the call, mm-hmm. and some of them are mostly much toll-free calls. Okay. And they can direct you to places in your area that will assist you. So what, uh, you know, for the parents joining a support group for parents with children with mental conditions, are there such um, support groups? Um, there are a few, uh, not, not a lot. If you okay. do go and look on the net, there's, there's, there's some that are running. Again, at the moment, uh, a few of them were sort of closed down because of the COVID yes. conditions and numbers of people, but they will be starting up again. Uh, there's a few different practices in the Cape Town area that are doing those those uh, um, groups uh, in person. Um, yeah. So just from your perspective as well, um, uh, you want to share some contact details for our listeners, um, also maybe a web address, how they can make contact with your good self? Um, the, the, they can email uh, info yes. at akeso.co.za with any questions or queries that they have in any area in, in the country, doesn't matter where you are. Yes. And then they will direct uh, people to our, either our unit or, or a unit that's closest to them. And then there's our toll-free so emergency contact line. Doesn't matter what the emergency is, they will direct you. Is a 0861-435-787. Yes. So that's 0614357.
That's great. That is the total line as well. Um, we want to say a big thank you, Mark, for availing yourself and for speaking about, you know, the very important issues that we sometimes, you know, sweep under the rug, unfortunately. And it's, I'm happy that we could have dealt with this openly with our listeners throughout this month. And we want to wish you good selves and everybody that works within community all the success and stay safe. Thank you very much. Most appreciate uh, you asking asking us and, and any time again. You're welcome, Mark. That's our listeners. That was Mark Delere, clinical psychologist. Um, you have the info. That is the email address, info at akeso, A-K-E-S-O dot If you want to make contact with them for help, it's 861 435 We say a big thank you to Mark and his team for availing themselves, and we want to wish them all the success. Have a great week, Mark. My radio station, your radio station, Our radio station, the voice of the Cape.